Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. So you see, we're, we're in a series called Below the Surface. We're, we're, t- we're talking about below the surface, what's God, what God is doing beneath us, what's happening with, with, within us. And last week we started off uh, talking about the story of Jonah where we all can relate with it at times. That, that, that as human beings, there's a natural tendency to run. When we're faced with a challenge, we're faced with an issue, a problem, there's conflict, there's just a sense that we just need to flee. We need to get out of, get out of whatever we're trying to get out of that we, that we, we tend to have to run. And we joked about this when we were kids is when mom or dad are mean to us and we just want to, we just want to run away. And so we pack our bags and we head down the street and we're done with parents and everything like that. We get down the block and realize it's, it's close to dinner time. We're like, oh, not today. I want to run away. And then when we got a little bit older in all seriousness, some of you are like, no, I'm really running away. Like I, as soon as I'm old enough, I'm out of here. I'm getting out of this house away from these people. And so we run, but we run throughout our life, don't we? We run in different ways. We, we can run. Maybe we've quit school or we've quit a job or we've, we've, we've walked out. Some of us have maybe walked out of a relationship or a marriage or circumstances that we're just saying, I've, I, I'm done with that. There's some running. Now, some of you might not relate with kind of actually running away, but, but in other ways of kind of running is we, we can tend to run as people is to escape. We don't want to deal with the problems and issues. And so what we do is just, we find, we find other ways to get distract us a little bit. And so we find entertainment to do that. We find hobbies, nothing wrong with having a hobby, but we get involved in hobbies. We get involved in busyness, uh, just even working a lot more. So we don't have to, we don't have to deal with what we need to deal with. So we, that's a, and another way of running is just keeping busy. And yet what happens many times is when we're ignoring those problems and those issues to do was we get consumed with things and we get involved with things. And, and so that does, it can, it can lead to substance abuse or uh, pornography or gambling or shopping. And, and pretty soon, whatever the addiction, whatever that we find ourselves, we're in debt, we're in, we're in bondage and, and, and we, we're, in a, we're way underwater, we're way below the surface in our lives and we're challenging. But I think also too, so for some of us can be this, is in our, our way of running is instead of trying to escape, maybe at times we feel like we can't escape. You know what we end up doing? We hide and we go in, you go in turtle mode, you know? So when, when everything's problems, everything, oh, I don't want to deal with it. I'm going to go in my little shell. And that's a way of hiding. That's a way of running away, but just, but we can't run away. And so we go in and we go, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with the problems. It's okay. Just let it go. Hopefully they go away. Hopefully the problem goes away. It's just going to, it's just going to pass by. And what we find in our denial is it doesn't. In fact, things get worse and worse and worse and they blow up in our face. And so we all have a tendency to run in our lives. But why do this? Why do we have a tendency to run, escape, and hide? Well, as we spend some time reflecting a little more, that really the challenge comes down that's below the surface. Well, this is call out for what it is. It's fear. It's really fear. At the end of the day, and all of it to say you could in one word, it's fear. Fear of facing reality. And yet I'm so grateful, I hope you're so grateful as this, that we don't have to face reality alone. If if 
And I think I would say that one of the main reasons you're here this morning is you realize that, that you don't have to face your problems alone. You don't have to face your issues alone. That you can trust in the one, God, the Father, through the Lord Jesus, to help you. The Bible promises that God is a God of all comfort that comforts us when, when we're in need. That when we, if we cast our cares, our problems and issues upon Jesus, he cares for us. Jesus promised that he would send as he left this earth the Holy Spirit to come and that would not leave us nor forsake us. That's that God, the, the God Almighty that can be there with us. I don't know about you, I'm glad for that. How many are glad for God's peace? Are you glad for God's strength? Are you glad for everything that he's given you? I am. And yet I want to remind us of this reality as well, is that God is not only a God of, of all of that, of God of all comfort, but he's also a God of calling. That, that God has a calling, meaning a purpose, a direction, an assignment that he's called us to do. But even more than that assignment and that challenge is this. That's what's well below the surface is his whole desire is to shape our souls to be more like him. And so the tension falls in all of that is him being the God of all comfort. The challenge comes as he doesn't want us to stay comfortable. The God of all comfort wants to give us peace and rest and security. And yes, that's all true. But he is a God of God of risks and of God of calling. And he's wanting to step out of that. But our natural tendency when running from that is this. or from, for Our natural tendency is to run from it. It is to his calling, his, to be out of his control, his will. And ultimately what's so tragic is people run from his love. And so if you're on the run or been on the run, I think we can all relate as we, we've been talking here. We'll continue to talk about our main guy here, Jonah. I want to get below the surface. And, and, it, and there was a little recap there, but let me just give you another recap is that, that Jonah was a prophet in Nineveh. He was, he was assigned by God to go to this group of people called the Assyrians and, and this, this, this community. And, and, God, and, and Jonah's response is, heck no, I ain't going. And he gets on a, buys a ticket and gets on a boat to Tarshish. He never makes it to Tarshish. Can I, can I encourage us this? We'll, none of us will ever make it to Tarshish. We'll never ever get there. And Jonah realized that. He realized this. He can run from God, but he can't outrun God. And so God sends a storm. And in the storm, it's trying to get his attention. It doesn't work too well. There's a bunch of pagan sailors. They, they, they become very religious themselves because the storm's so huge. They cry out to God. In fact, they cry out to the Lord God. And when Jonah, they found out he worships the Lord God, they're going, we like that God. That's a stronger God. We're going to worship him. And that still didn't convince them. And so they ended up, what do we do? They said, what are you, Jonah's like, just throw me overboard. It's my fault. And Jonah goes to the depths. He goes to the, he's, he's sinking, he's drowning. He's thinking that's it. And it's just the beginning. In verse 17, we left off last week where it says this, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, every time we think about the story of Jonah, know the story of Jonah, we all go back. Some of you grew up in the church. You went to Sunday school. You did VBS. You, you did, um, 
You did veg, veggie tales. If you, that's where most of us got some of you got your theology from, and and all that you go and that's it's kind of this little maple leaf story. And so when we read it in the Bible, it's really hard in the literature. You're like, is this is this a fable? Because there's fables, there's stories. Jesus told stories. It's not really true. What I've learned in studying Scripture is this: is when when you see when you actually see like uh, where it's real names and real people. In most accounts, it's a real situation that happened. So you're something like, he really was swallowed by a fish? Or a whale? Was it a whale or a fish? Well, the Bible, the Hebrew there word is, is fish. But Jonah ain't no, you know, marine biologist. It could, have been a, it could have been a whale, okay? I don't know how, you know. So, and you're like, there's whales in the Mediterranean, by the way. They're big enough to swallow people, okay? So was it a whale, fish, wing, or But can that actually happen? I mean, can someone survive being in a belly of, of, of a big, massive sea creature, for three days. Well, that can mess with you a little bit. Well, well let's think about this. Does it, what about all the other miracles in the Bible? You ever thought of that? You ever thought about how the God parted the, the sea so that all million people could cross over? You ever, you ever thought about how he, the sun set still in Joshua's day over, over a whole day? How, um, how three guys, these three Hebrew guys were thrown in a fiery furnace and, and this massive flame and they came out, they, had, they weren't burned. They didn't even smell like smoke. I mean, you can't even come out of the Silver Reef Casino that way. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> miracles. Oh, and on top of that, think of all these other miracles that happened. How about the virgin birth? Okay, so if God can, the creator can break his own rules when it comes to gravity and everything else, why can't a guy, it's not that hard to be in a fish for three days. So here's the thing. Let's not get hung up on the miracle or the myth or anything to miss the message. And this is, this is one thought I believe we, we can grab for this today. I don't want to camp on is this. God, listen, God is generous with his grace, but he's thorough with his discipline. I'm going to unpack this here. But God is generous with his grace, but he is thorough with his discipline. See, at the, at the mouth of this big fish is this amazing, powerful picture of the gospel that I want to spend a few minutes here looking at. Jonah was helpless, desperate, drowning, lost in the sea, sinking to the very bottom. At his place of death, and practically dead, Scripture says the Lord provided. Maybe you were at some point in your life where you're at the deepest, darkest place, no power, nothing you could do. You cried out to God, God delivered you, and Jesus saved you both here and for eternity. Do you ever just stop? Just stop and go, God, why do I get to experience such great a salvation? Why, what, what a gift I get. God, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for this salvation. I was heading down a road of destruction. I was heading down a path that was so, so dark that it was going to destroy my life. And you saved my soul. That could, you could say as we look at this moment of Jonah being literally saved, was he say, pun intended, gut reaction that takes place here today. Jonah chapter 2 is an entire prayer that he prays. It's a beautiful ancient Hebrew style prayer. If you, if you recognize this prayer, uh, what you need to recognize about this prayer, it's just a snapshot of, of a prayer that he wrote after. And you're thinking, what, do you, how do you know he wrote it afterwards? I, I, come on, you're, you're in the belly of a fish. 
He's not having like a piece of paper and a pen and a flashlight. And it's like, man, this whale keeps swimming around. Stop moving, whale. I'm trying to write a prayer, okay? That didn't happen, right? He's, 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 he's crying help probably for three days. But what we have is Jonah's account, a, a recording of lessons that we can learn. They're very poetic and beautiful portions of scripture, but it's all coming from the perspective below the surface that we look at. We're going to take a deep dive here in the prayer. It says this for verse one, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He came to this moment and realizing is this, that, that it's not about it's not about anything else that's going to rescue him. He knew at this point he prayed. Who else to pray to? The Lord, he says, his God. And that's significant to know. It's not the man upstairs. It's not some big guy in the sky that we're praying to. I'm praying to Yahweh, the Lord God, my God, he prays to. In verse Two of it says that in my distress, he says, in my distress. I think if there's ever some words that we can all relate with in our life is being in distress. That we could look back in our lives, and I would say that everybody in this world has found distress at some point. It doesn't matter how religious you've been or church background or anything has gone on. We all have a commonality of what it feels. And, and I would say when we're in our distress, that's our gut reaction. There's, a, there's something within us when we're in such amount of pain and difficulty and fear that comes over us that we cry out. For some of us, it might have been reading the layoff notice that we're no longer employed at this place or wherever you're working. Might have been staring at a pregnancy test and going, oh no. It might have been sitting in the backseat of a police car. It might have been driving to your parents' house to break some news. It might be staring at a phone knowing that you've got to confess to a spouse, but they're gonna, you better confess to them before someone else finds out. Whatever that moment of distress, I guarantee it, you weren't debating theology. You weren't worried about whether it's a myth or it's a, it's a, it's a true story. You are in a place going, God, I am desperate for you in my distress. It's interesting, the word distress in the Hebrew here, it means to travail in childbirth. And so you can look at it both as the fact that um, we've all travailed in childbirth, by the way. We were all born one time, okay? So we all travail, by the way. Some of us, thank goodness, we don't remember that, okay? Your mom does, and all the moms in the room, we thank you for the travailing that happened, the pain that you went through. And that's really this word we're talking about in this deep distress he calls out to the Lord. He calls out to the Lord. I call to the Lord, he says. He wasn't looking for how to be smart, how to be slick, how to be tricky, how to get out of it. And you don't do those things. You don't do those things when you're in distress. You don't think of how can I work this deal or how, what if I talk to this person and what if I, all those things go away because you're in such deep desperation. When you're in the pit, when, you're, when the plane is going down, who are you crying out to, the Lord? And I love what it says here. He answered me. Simply, he answered me. You can, you can put this in as this. We find God's grace in the most helpless place. If you really want to experience God's grace, it's going to be not in the place of going, oh, it feels so good right now. Oh, this is feeling good. I'm in God's grace. I, there's that part of it. I love sitting in an easy chair, drinking my coffee and reading my Bible. And it's just a wonderful moment. I love those. Those are great. But it's in the helpless place. It's in that place where we're going, oh God, what am I going to do? And, and there's God's grace comes in. 
Can, I, can, can you grasp the fact that when we have the ability at that moment to cry out to God. Now who are we crying out to? Well, can, I, can I give you a description of who we're crying out to? It's the God of the universe. It's the creator, the sustainer, the one who spoke and hung the stars in the sky, who created the heavens and the earth and all the galaxies that exist, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the supreme judge, the holy one, the one is who knows all and ever present and all powerful. Yeah, that God. That's the God we call upon. We call on him and he will answer us. Jonah called to him. He called, this is so important. You got to remember, Jonah wasn't calling out to God. He was running from God. He was saying, forget you, God. I want nothing to do with you. I'm going to go to Tarshish because it's the farthest way away from whatever you want me to do. He just never made it because he could not run him. And he realized at that point that in the mercy, he didn't deserve it. He's going down. He's like, throw me overboard. He had a death wish. He didn't want to live any longer. And yet God saved his life. Don't let that power of this pass you by. When we call on God, he answers. Doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter that you said, forget you, God. I want nothing to do. I'm going to forsake you. God never let us go ever. And Jonah prayed next from that place of desperation. It says that next, from deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. The realm of the dead. Have you been there before? The realm of the dead. That's pretty serious, isn't it? In the Hebrew, it's the word Sheol, where we get the word uh, hell. And what it's talking about here is hell on earth. Yes, there's hell. But also, you've experienced, some of you, what we could say, hell on earth. And Sheol is, you, is this. It's the, it's the furthest place from God and the most miserable uh, existence that you can have. It's the place where we're completely helpless and desperate and afraid. That is Sheol in which we call upon God. This, for some of you, this might speak to you right now, that you are in the middle of your Sheol. You're in the middle of the Sheol right now. You're in the middle of, in your marriage right now. You would say it's Sheol. You're in a place, in a desperate place that you need God to answer. You're in the depths of your heart of Sheol when inside of you there's a, there's a, there's a cry. Our Lord was just revealing me today. I was in worship. I feel like there's silent cries of desperation all around us. And I, I, I was praying, and I have to admit, I was breaking, I was, my heart was breaking as I was thinking about this, that there's people out in our community, and, I, and even bold to say that there's some in this very room, and you would say, I'm so desperate, but I sure got a smile on the outside. How are you doing? Great. No, you're not. You are dying. There's, there's Sheol going on in you. Inner Sheol that's there in the deepest, darkest place. That's where Jonah says, in my Sheol, in my place of desperation, where I feel like I'm farthest from the presence of God, in my deep distress, in my travailing that's there, God answered me. and God met me. Where is that? But it's a state of Sheol that we need to recognize. Paul talks about this place in Ephesians 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit is now at work and those who are disobedient. There's a place, and yes, there's Sheol that happens to us sometimes. But a lot of the Sheol that we caused because we ran away from the presence of God. And then God's saying, in that place, in the dying place, I want to rescue you. In your transgressions, Transgressions of sin, 
to come to that place of desperation. And what's beautiful about it in the travailing and this, this picture of childbirth is what Jonah was experiencing in the place of death was coming life. He was, in all terms here, being born again. That's what he's saying. See, know this, in this beautiful experience of God's grace, know this as well, is that God listens to our cries, but disciplines us to get our attention. Have you ever thought about, you ever think sometimes, God, there could have been an easier way to do this, to get Jonah's attention, right? You, you know, all that happens, I mean, when, they, when the sailors threw him overboard, was there not a lot of things they threw over already before they'd be floating out in the water? You ever thought about that? Like, the, it says that they threw, like, cargo and everything. Wouldn't there be, like, little crates flowing around that Jonah could get on and swim to shore? But it doesn't say that, does it? Why, does it, why a fish? Why, why three days in, the, in this belly of this? Have you ever thought about this? I guess maybe I spent too much time thinking about things, but I think about why, why not, a, like I was saying, why not a turtle? No, I love those. You know, not the little ones, but the big ones at the zoo. And, you know, with two of them. and I was picturing like, you know, I know it's Nemo and Crush coming up. Hey, dude, get on my back, man. Let's go to the shore. I'm just thinking that. I was thinking, wouldn't it be easier? How about a mermaid? Wouldn't that be better? A beautiful mermaid to take you ashore and just the beautiful music of, uh, I don't know what movie that is, but um, go back in your Disney days. Oh, Little Mermaid. Thank you. Well, fancy title. Okay. Jonah, what's happening? Don't get this. Don't miss this. God was getting his attention the whole stinking time. What did he send them? He sent them a storm. Did that help? Nope. He's, he, 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 he comes to a place where these, these sailors are terrified and they're crying out to God. And, he, and, and what happens is they turn to the Lord. Did that convince them of even, even pagan sailors that would do that? Nope, didn't get his attention. How about being thrown overboard? Don't you think at that moment? I don't know about you, but when, when they're going, one, two, I'd be crying, Lord God, save me. I repent of everything. I'll go to Nineveh or Narnia or New York City. I'll do, I'll do whatever you want me to do. No. He needed a fish to swallow him. He needed three days. He needed three nights because God was doing a work below the surface. Listen to what was going on below the surface for him. It says, you hurled me in the depths and to, to the very heart of the seas. The current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threaten me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sat down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. What's going on? Jonah needed to feel the cold water. He needed to feel the, wa the waves pushing him down. The undertow or whatever it was. He was going down, going down. He needed to be swallowed whole by a huge sea creature living in the dark, pretty dank, probably didn't smell too good, wrapped in seaweed, like strangling him like a, he's, he's being forced and tied down and the massive pressure water to the end, to the very depth. God needed to do that to Jonah. And let me ask you this question, really think about that. Where does God need to take you to the depth of your life? 
to discipline you. Well, let me tell you this, whatever it might be to know this, in all of it, the pain, whatever that is, is, is always unavoidable. In fact, I would even go further to say it's actually necessary. Pain? Do we have to go through pain? It's necessary. My, my, my mom and dad didn't, my dad didn't do this, but my father-in-law did. And he was, he's a wonderful man. In fact, he's really ill. You can pray for him. He's battling some, a lot of things going on in his, his health. But um, my wife and, and, the sibling, and her siblings would talk about when dad wanted to discipline the kids. Again, loving, caring father this way, but he would pull out his belt. And I don't know if your parents did that or your, your dad did that to hold the belt. And, you know, and then they would just kind of like unbelt it. And, and they knew what happened because you experienced the belt before. You know what the belt can do. And so sometimes they, he just had to unbuckle the belt. That's all, they had, that's all the kids needed to know. Like, dad, dad, oh, I'll clean my room. I'll wash, I'll wash the dishes. I'll even wash your car. Don't pull the belt out. And what we found with the belt was this, is the, the belt needed to come out. Not only come out, the belt needed to be used. Why? Because that's what good parents do in a loving, caring way to discipline their children. Because if you're not a good parent if, you, if you're called on your bluff every single time. And God understood as the loving, our heavenly, our perfect father, that he disciplines those he loves. Why? Because when we experience enough pain, we will never run again. And we need to learn it. And not learn the lesson that, oh God, you, you, know, you got, spared me the, the pain that I need to go through again. Oh God, that, 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 that I, yes, I'll do, yes, I'll do what you tell me to do. I get the message. But what he's doing in our dis, his discipline is shaping us and, and forming us in his image to be like him. The Lord disciplines. And, and look, this, don't miss the motive in this discipline. Is, this is so important to know. Is that God's not about payback, but bring back. In all the discipline, all he loves is not to pay us back for what we've done wrong and, and, and leaving him and forsaking him. No, he, he disciplines us to bring us back to him, not pay back anything. There's nothing we can pay back for our sin. Jesus is the one that did that. But all about relationship. And it looks so it says, but you, Lord, my God. Do you ever have but God moments? Do you ever have moments where life's out of control, everything's falling through, but God came through. You didn't have, you know how to pay the bill. You didn't know how to get that job, but God provided the job. Some of you, your marriage was in trouble and you thought it was over and, but God changed your heart and changed your spouse's heart and healed your marriage. Some of you here today could say that the doctor said, you don't have a chance. You need to prepare for the end, but God healed you or healed your loved one. He did that work in you. God so much, not only to make, just make things right with us, he wants right relationship. Verse, verse seven, or part of verse six here, it says, when my, he says, my life was ebbing away. I had to look that up, ebbing away. What does that mean? It means to be at the lowest, weakest state. Jonah's basically saying here, I'm at my last breath. Verse seven says this, he says, I remembered you, Lord. I remembered you, Lord. My prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. And the depths of the depths of the depths he was, he realized that his prayer is going to go beyond the surface, that it's going to go to the highest heaven, that it's going to go to the throne of God, that God hears him. But oh, how powerful it is to him to recognize that I remember you, Lord. I, and I tell you at times, we just need to be reminded of the Lord. God, I remember you. I remember your faithfulness. I remember your salvation that you provided for me. And, and, and he, he lifted that up to the Lord. And God heard his cry. 
Let me think about you and the depths of where you're at or people that you know. What, what would be your gut reaction? Where would you be at the very belly of the beast in your life? You would think at that point that it would be a given that we would cry out to God. But I would challenge us with this. Finally, it's this. Regardless of how bad it gets, it's still our choice to change. How bad it gets does not always dictate it, does it? We think it's got to get bad enough. How bad does it have to get? It's interesting, verse 8, Jonah shifts his tone a little bit. You know, he's still a prophet. And so, retrospect, he's writing back and he warns to the readers that are reading this, that he wrote is this. He said in verse 8, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. What's he saying there? Well, Think about the things that we turn to when we're escaping. The things that we get away, away to do. Not just run from God, but run to. So we avoid the problems and the issues and struggles that we have. And so we, what we do is we find things and we find people. And when we put our time and we put our attention and we put our treasures in those things or those people, that becomes our God. That becomes idol. And he says, worthless idol is really this. At the end of the day, when, 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 when you're in the, the, the deepest of deep and you're so below the surface and you don't know what to do in your place of desperation, what you find is none of those people, none of those things, none of those circumstances that, you, that are idols to you will ever satisfy you. You'll never make it there. You'll never get to Tarshish. You'll, you'll never, you'll find underwhelmed of, of, of expectation that's there. You'll be disappointed every time. And the tragedy that Jonah's saying is, in all of it, you're forsaking the love of God. This love, God's love for them. The deepest, darkest despair. What's going on is this. God is so generous with his grace, but he is thorough with this discipline all because of that great love. See, God never distanced himself from us. We do that. And Jonah says, it's, it tells us this, it's time to come back to that. He reminds himself and he reminds us in, in next in verse nine, this, he says, but I, with the shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will make good. He's writing retrospect. He's writing when he's in the belly of this fish, thinking he's going to die. He's, he's praying the prayers like you've prayed when the plane's going down and the moments happen and life's falling apart. You go, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, the Trinity, anybody, God, get me out of this. And if you get me out of this, I'll serve you. If you get me out of this bind, you, I'll, I'll worship you. If, if you help me with this, situation. I'll commit my life to you. And then what God's so good is he brings us up surface. He says, all right. And Jonah's saying this, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be faithful to the commitment I've made to you. And I praise you for that. Look at verse nine, end of it. It says this, he says, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Talk about a story he would tell people when he got to land that we'll look at next week. He had a story to tell. Let me tell you what salvation means to me. I think you and I can do the same thing. It might not be a physical salvation, but we know it's a spiritual salvation. To save our soul from Sheol, from the pit of hell, of death on this earth, to rescue our souls. It's such a reminder, a visual reminder of what Paul says in Ephesians 2 about saving. 
says, he wrote this, as saving is all his idea, all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we've done the whole thing. No, we either make nor save ourselves. God does both the, the making and the saving. See, Jonah's response to all that was going on was this. It was simply this, is surrender. Not giving up, God, I want to die. Lord, I, I get it. Lord, I surrender. Well below the surface, God brought him this place of surrender. And listen what happened next. It says, the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah on dry land. Isn't that a great picture just before lunch? God vomited Jonah onto dry land. Do you ever feel kind of whale pukey all over you lately? Are you feeling that way? Let me, let me tell you this. That's good. That's good. Why? You're like, well, that's not a good place. You live to tell about it. What you experience is this, you, that God is so generous with his grace, but you've experienced this gift because he's thorough with his discipline. That not only are we, okay, God, I get it. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. But God's saying, I'm shaping you, I'm shaping you, I'm shaping you, I'm shaping you. I've saved you, I'm sh- but I'm shaping you into my image that I, wanna, I want you to use your life to glorify me, that calling that's there. Let me ask this question as we pray. How desperate are you? How desperate are you? Will you bow with me as we pray? I want you to just take a moment here. Shane shared about having a private moment in a public place. This is the, that's this moment here today. And I want to pray for you. I, I, I want to go back to, I feel like the Lord speaking to me in worship was this, that there's some desperate cries of, of, of silent, desperate cries and souls here today. And there's many, many, many in our community. And so I want you to pray for yourself. If you're in the place of Sheol, you're in the place of the pit, you're in the place of the the realm of the dead, you could say it sounds dramatic, but you would say, I'm in a helpless, hopeless place right now. That you would cry out to God. Oh, Jesus, rescue me, rescue me. And that rescue might be a, a financial burden. It might be a relationship struggle. It might be an addiction. It might be, ultimately it's this, to save your very soul from ultimate Sheol of eternity today. This is your moment. This is your opportunity to say yes to Jesus Christ today. And the moment, if you're in this place, I want to pray for you. If specifically saying, I need Jesus to be my savior, to rescue me today. With your heads bowed, I just want to give a moment. All I'm asking for you to do today is just raise your hand if that's you. Saying, I am desperate. I need Jesus today. Now see your hand. That's good. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Anyone else? See, God bless you guys. Everybody, awesome. That way, way back. Yep, yep, I see your hand. You can put your hands down. There's, there's several of you, six or eight of you here today. Thank you, Lord. We want to pray for you today. What, what you're saying is, Jesus, be my Savior. Be my Lord. Rescue me from my sin. Change me, transform me into your image, Lord. I leave my old life. That old life can be drowned and I can be raised to new life. Because of the cross and Jesus, what you did for me. I receive you as my Lord, my Savior. I want to pray for those as well today that have someone you know that's in a desperate place. 
Could we cry out in a, a prayer of intercession for them? That what breaks God's heart would break our heart for those that are in desperate place. Can you do that with me? God, I thank you first of all and foremost for the hands that were raised today. What courage they take say, God, I've been, I'm in a place of Sheol. I'm in a place of, place of hell on earth, it feels like. More than anything, I'm recognizing that I'm helpless and I'm hopeless and I can't save myself. I'm drowning in my sin. And I need you, Jesus, to be my Savior and my Lord. And Jesus, you're, you are accomplished what's done on the cross and, and rising from the dead that I can, I can receive you to forgive my sins and I can have new life in you, Lord. Thank you for the whole souls that are praying that prayer right now saying yes to you, Lord. God, I pray for those here today that yes, they, they're walking with you, but they would say they're in the pit right now. They're in the place of Sheol. They're in the place of helplessness and they just don't know what to do. God, I, I, I think of times, I think of a young boy I prayed with this last week that is in a desperate, desperate place, Lord. Oh God, I don't know what it's gonna take, well, but I know this, it's gonna take your power to transform him to heal him, to whatever is in his, in a, that comes from the pit of hell, Lord, that you would rescue him, Lord God. And Lord, we intercede for people that are on our minds and our hearts, God. God, we cry out for the people of Birch Bay. We cry out for the people in this community. They're desperate and they're silent cries this morning, God. And they're, they don't know what to turn. I mean, they're crying out loud, but they don't, there's no one to hear it. And so it's, they're in that place of hopelessness. And Lord, oh God, we lift them to you. And Lord, some way humbly, Lord, may they darken this door of this church. May they darken the door of other churches that are sharing your gospel in this Easter season, Lord God. We pray for souls to be one today, just like today. And the people that are here to gather, they're saying yes to you, that we can go out and share and proclaim the good news of your amazing work that you still save souls, Jesus. We ask for this, Lord, not because of demanding it, but that's your heart. Your heart, you came to seek and save lost people, Lord, that we get to be a part of it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.